It's good to see you guys tonight. You know, I think this is a wonderful topic uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I was very, very blessed by the study personally, and Lord just really just... Um, really just encouraged me in such a wonderful way. And secondly, thank you notes and things like that are like a pet peeve of mine. And so I thought, wow, this just kind of goes with my my own little OCD as well as (laughs) where God is, you know, because, you know, we usually think of, you know, saying thank you, that that's just a social grace that we should have that people, at least from civilized, you know, societies should should practice. You you receive something from somebody, you say thank you. Uh, How early, think about how early you start telling your child, okay, now what do you say, honey, when someone gives you something? You say, thank you. We start to indoctrinate and, and train our children to say thank you as well. And when I think about it, you know, saying thanks is really a way of humbling yourself before someone. It really is saying, you know, I, I'm graciously uh, conceding something that you've done for me. Emily Post, in, if you don't know her, she's the queen of etiquette. And she says that all gifts should be acknowledged with a note, unless, of course, it was opened in front of the giver. And in that case, you can just say thank you just to the person there at that time. The older generation, however, tends to be much more sticklers, and I guess I must fall into that, that category because we want our handwritten note. We want to see a note, you know, pass through our mail or something, uh, and, and we f- consider it uh, a gesture of respect and consideration. So that's, that's fair. And the idea is to write the thank you notes as soon as possible on receiving that gift. But even if you aren't able to do that, it's don't worry about it being late. It's always appreciated whenever. Have you ever seen anybody not appreciate a thank you note when you've given it to them? Has anybody ever given a thank you note? I guess so. <laughs> And Emily Post also makes some accommodation for our new society, technology, and whatnot with emails. And you can also use the email, actually, to send uh, thanks for a coffee or a casual meal. Or, you know, now we have evites for things that come out, um, inviting us to things. You can use an email uh, as a thank you response under those guests, uh, under those circumstances. But for dinner parties or big favors that somebody does, an actual gift or being a house guest at somebody's house, uh, a handwritten note is usually the best way to express thanks. And uh, she says that the principles of etiquette are based on respect, consideration, and sincerity. And she says that giving thanks is one of the best ways to express all three of these principles. So as I was kind of reading through that, and I had some help from an etiquette consultant friend of mine, Uh, who I talked to, I I thought, you know, if we have all these rules in the world around saying thanks, how much more should we be diligent in giving thanks to the Lord? Uh, He is the giver of every good and perfect gift. And for him, to him, the best way to give thanks is through prayer. So let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we come before you this evening, Lord, and we do thank you and praise you, God, just for the wonderful giver of gifts that you are, Father God. Every good and perfect thing in our life does come from you. And we just thank you, Lord, that you have given us your word, Father, to help instruct us as to how to give our thanks to you and when to give our thanks to you, Father, and why. And we just thank you, Lord, because you don't leave us um, at a loss at what to do when it comes to serving you and giving our sacrifice of praise to you, Lord. So we ask now that you bless this time and that we learn the lesson well, Father, and that from here on, Lord, you will receive our thanksgiving with joy and elation and appreciation. And we just ask these things in Jesus' name. You know, I had a really good time going through the study because it really excited me as I started reading the scriptures about some of the ways that we can go about thanking God. So as I was looking at it and wanting to organize it, I thought, you know, first I want to look at why or what we should pray with Thanksgiving. What, why do we want to give thanks to God and what are the things we want to give thanks for? And then second, how should we pray with Thanksgiving? I think sometimes we think just saying the words is all we need to do, but there's a lot more to it than that. And then third, when should we pray with thanksgiving? And um, you'll find that there is no end to that, and we'll see some examples of what the Lord gives us in his word. But, but kind of before we get off into those three areas, I just wanted to kind of first acknowledge, just to make sure we're all on the same page here, that the object of our thanks as Christians is always to God. We give thanks to the Lord, not some abstract, unknown entity. James 1.17 tells us that every good and every perfect gift is from above, from the Father of lights. That's God. We just had a Thanksgiving holiday just about two months ago, not even quite. But the world makes that more about food and very little about God. Sometimes we hear people say, thank heavens, or thank goodness, or thank my lucky stars. And some would even have us be grateful to government for everything that we have. But that is not to be so. None of these objects of thanks really do anything for us greater than what God has done and is doing in our lives. We do know the creator and the representation of each of those things, of the heavens, of the goodness, and of the stars. He is the one deserving of our gratitude and thanks. You read this week in Psalm 100, verse 4, that we are to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Ephesians 5.20 says, We're to give thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in Psalm 34, 1, David said, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. So just so we're not, you know, at a loss here and thinking that angels or somebody else or somebody who are worthy of our, our thanks, God is first and foremost the one most deserving and worthy of our thanks. And if the secular world acknowledges the need to give thanks to fellow human beings through thank you notes and otherwise, how much more are we to give thanks to our Lord? This is an essential element of our prayer life as we enter into God's presence. God is the object, nothing and no one else. So now we're going to look at why he is the object. 
Paul, when he was instructing the Thessalonians on personal worship and prayer, he gives a compelling reason why we are to pray with thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 tells us, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And I just said, wow, giving thanks is the will of God for his people. It's what we should be doing. It's what he desires us to do. And the thought isn't that this is God's will, so you must do it. The idea is this is God's will, so you can do it. Because when you combine thanksgiving with rejoicing always and praying without ceasing that comes in the previous two verses, 16 and 17, it's so easy to say, yeah, right. You know, who can rejoice always? Who can pray without ceasing? That's a hard thing to do. Nobody can be joyful and thankful all the time. And if they are, they're a little annoying generally. But life is tough, and we have to acknowledge that. And it doesn't always put a smile in our hearts or bring praise and thanksgiving to our lips. But Hebrews 13.21 says, The Lord makes you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. We can rejoice and give thanks in all things, regardless of our circumstances, when we know we put it when we know it puts us in direct alignment with God's will. And what he calls us to do for his good pleasure, he also enables us to do. Remember Job, after he had lost his family and all of his possessions, he fell on his face and worshiped God. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job could still praise and thank God for what he had received and what had been taken, taken away from him, knowing that God is sovereign and in control of all things. Job never lost sight of the will of God in his situation and later says he would trust God even if it meant losing his life. And being in God's will is where we want to live as believers, ladies. The Lord Jesus Christ was our example. In Matthew 26, 39 and 42, as Jesus was praying to his father in the Garden of Gethsemane regarding his crucifixion and death, he said, not as I will, but your will be done. The psalmist in Psalm 40, verse 8 wrote, I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. So the reason why we pray with thanksgiving is it's God's will for us to do so. And according to his will, we're to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in everything. And, you know, we're always told, you know, don't use all these absolutes, you know, like always and without ceasing and in everything. You know, we, we, we're told to avoid those in our speeches, especially when we speak to our husbands. But that can be a little tough in today's world. You know, as you read these scriptures, you'll find praise and thanksgiving are synonymously joined and come together in our prayers. When we give thanks, there's no complaining. Giving thanks and grumbling are mutually exclusive in our hearts. You can't do both at the same time. True prayer corrects complaining and promotes gratitude and thanksgiving. 
dissatisfaction and discontent are the enemies of gratitude and thanksgiving. Just look at how this played out with Israel when they were in the wilderness. Instead of being thankful to the Lord for all he had done for them, he had delivered them from Pharaoh. He had crossed the Red Sea with them. Uh, He drowned their slave masters when he closed it back up. And he provided food and clothing that didn't wear out and didn't run out. Yet they still complained about what was left behind. They forgot they were slaves and that the leeks and the onions were not eaten in freedom. They weren't thankful to God for what he had done. Forgetfulness becomes ingratitude if we don't constantly remind ourselves of where and who we are in Christ. Psalm 103, which is another psalm of praise and thanksgiving, says in verse 2, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Benefits means how God has treated us in the past, his kindnesses toward us, his goodness and his involvement in our lives, the blessings and the rewards that he has given us. We're not to forget those things. And then in the remaining verses, it goes on to list some of those things that he has done for us. And I just think sometimes, ladies, um, for those of us who came to the Lord after having, like myself, after having lived in and for, for the world for a long time, um, I do know very distinctly what the Lord has delivered me from. I was a drinking, smoking party animal. I lived for the weekends. I lived for the club life. I lived for what I could do to my body and the bodies of others if they were in my reach. I was not a very nice person, but I know what God delivered me from. You know, when Xavier sometimes stands here and he talks about his former life, I totally identify that. God delivered me from a bondage that I didn't even know I was in. I was living the life of a slave and thought I was living free. But true freedom is in Christ, and he's shown me that. He's delivered me from that life and into a true freedom that can only come in Christ Jesus. And I thank him for plucking me out of that fire every single day. And for those of you who may have been spared my experience, and I pray that you were, because you were raised in a Christian home and you came to the Lord early in life, or if you dedicated your life to the Lord at an early age, you can still find reasons to be grateful for the things that God has done. Because just going through his word, you will see some of the things that you avoided because you came to Christ when you did. So there's always reasons that you can list in your heart to God to be thankful for. That's my, we must constantly look to what the Lord has done and is doing in our lives and continue to be thankful. If you're ever at a loss for things to be thankful for, go to Psalm 103 and prompt your memory, the ones that we read this week. It it starts, giving thanks starts with our prayers as we contemplate and meditate on God and his character and his attributes and the works that he's done in general and specifically in our lives. And as I said, you had read some of these in Psalms 103. It talked about his goodness, his mercy, grace, forgiveness, salvation, provision, protection, healing, his word. The 23rd Psalm also is another Psalm that has so many great things that the Lord does for us. If you ever are at a loss at what to thank God for, 
Go to the Psalms. You will find many, many things there that would encourage your heart and lift you up in praise and thanksgiving to to the Lord. And once you consider these awesome blessings, next comes gratitude. So you contemplate, meditate, then comes gratitude. Charles Spurgeon said, when joy and prayer are married, their firstborn child is gratitude. I really like that. So out of consideration for all of the things that the Lord has done for us comes gratitude, which is an internal, involuntary, and spontaneous response to something that we've experienced. Gratitude is a secret, inward feeling or emotion of warmth, humility, and love. It's silent, it's passive, and it's felt in the heart. Thanksgiving, on the other hand, is an outward expression of inner gratitude for God's wondrous works and everlasting mercies. Thanksgiving is gratitude in action. It's audible and positive. It's intentional, purposeful, conscious, and public. It gives substance and flight to gratitude. Our thanks manifests in praise, worship, song, submission, acknowledgement, adoration, Just like the Bible defines love as an action, so is giving thanks. So we could say thanksgiving is an expression of love that sparks praise and prayer to rise up from our hearts. Prayer commentator E.M. Bounds said, as prayer brings things to us which beget gratitude and thanksgiving, so praise and gratitude promote prayer and induce more praying and better praying. So I kind of, you know, drew myself a little diagram there for you to see. But basically it shows prayer, God's response, our gratitude, our thanks, our praise. Back to prayer, God's response, our gratitude, our thanks, our praise, and prayer. And it keeps going and going and going. And as you continue to cycle those elements in your prayer life, you will see your prayer life getting better and stronger and richer because you are meditating and contemplating and expressing gratitude to to the Lord for what he's done. The reason why we pray with thanksgiving is because it is the will of God for us. And as believers, we strive to always be in his will with Jesus Christ as our example. And we can know what things to pray for with thanksgiving by meditating on what the Lord has done and is doing in our lives or going to his word As we think about those things when we pray, we will feel inner gratitude and appreciation, which will manifest itself in outward thanks and praise. Then next we'll see how we're to pray, how we're to pray with thanksgiving. Uh, You should have noticed in some of the scriptures that you read over the past week for this lesson that praise and worship is almost also always associated with giving thanks. Psalm 100 is actually a prayer, a a psalm of thanksgiving and praise and was used in the temple for the sacrifices of thanksgiving or peace offerings. It was offered in gratitude for God's mercies and was the last offering made according to the laws governing the temple sacrifices. And you'll find those in Leviticus 7 verses 11 through 34. And this thanksgiving offering was done at the end 
of these ceremonies as a true expression of thanks and appreciation for all that God had done. Now, first of all, you'll see that it's a sacrifice of thanksgiving. It's something that was given freely, but also something that was given at a cost to the givers. A sacrifice is not something that comes easily. It's something that requires something of the giver. So when they went forth into these temple sacrifices, they were giving their their hearts to the Lord in thanks and in, in, in offering. And I just thought sometimes, you know, when we come before the Lord in our prayers, we have our list. Lord, uh, I'm, I'm praying for this. I, I need that. And by the way, I'm interceding for this person. And we go on and on. And typically, if we have any praise or, or thanks that we give, we give it at the top of our prayers. But this, in their, sacri- in their psalms, in their sacrifices of thanksgiving, the thanksgiving came at the end. And I just think that that is probably really ending a prayer on such a high note. Can you imagine after going through your list of needs, and, and, and they're real, I'm not discounting those, but coming to the end of that with praise and thanksgiving to the Lord for what he had done already in other parts of your life. What a wonderful way to end your prayers to the Lord. The 100th Psalm also wraps up previous Psalms that joyfully proclaim the coming of the Messiah as king. So this Psalm was actually in prophetic appreciation of when Jesus would rule and reign. And it calls his people into thankful praise and worship for God's faithfulness. Shouts of joy were typical of how people in that day acted at the coronation of a popular king because it meant the continuation of good times or the end of bad times, depending on the previous ruler. Our response as his people is to shout joyfully to the Lord as we prayerfully give thanks. Giving thanks in prayer isn't the timid, shy, or mumbled recognition of God's work in our lives. It's done with rejoicing that should excite and uplift our hearts and come through in our prayers. I had the worship team uh, leave their instruments up here on the stage uh, today, and I added a few of my own here, these uh, brass horns. Actually, they're my husband's, but he didn't mind donating them for the cause, just so you can start to uh, envision in your mind what happened in in biblical days when they had these these thanksgivings, these times of thanksgiving. when it talks about how we're to pray, it's, it, it means that we're also to use every instrument, voice, um, wood, wind, whatever instrument is available to lift up praise and worship to the Lord. We're to give thanks with shouts and songs and instruments. And these are just some of the scriptures that I found that show us how we're to pray with thanksgiving uh, regarding prayers that shout out thanks to the Lord. Uh, we, we can go back to Psalm 100, verse 1. It says, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Psalm 32, 11, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Sing to him in song, play skillfully with a shout of joy, Psalm 33, 3 says. Make a joyful shout to God, all the earth, Psalm 66, 1. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Psalm 95, 1 and 2. 
Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in song. Rejoice and sing praises with trumpets and the sound of a horn. Shout joyfully before the Lord, the King. Psalm 98, 4 and 6. Notice all of the shouts are to be done joyfully. Joy wells up from within. It is a spontaneous feeling that comes from gratitude. It's Joy is not happiness, and happiness is not joy. And a lot of times people interchange those two things, and they're not the same. Joy lives beyond our circumstances, and it's deeply felt. Happiness, pretty momentary, kind of comes and goes, and it's not sustained in our hearts. But from that feeling, that inner feeling of gratitude, should come shouts of thanksgiving, realizing the Lord's love and care for us and making us unable to contain our joy. And next, we'll look at Thanksgiving, praying with Thanksgiving with song. He says, therefore, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. Psalm 1849. Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. Psalm 30, verse 4. Psalm 3930. I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify magnify him with thanksgiving. 92.1 Psalms. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High. Psalm 147.7. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praises on the harp to our God. So you can see that we have shouts and songs already to go into our chorus of thanksgiving to the Lord. But to add that perfect complement, our musical instruments... Psalm 33, 2 says, praise the Lord with the heart. Make melody to him with an instrument of 10 strings. I will sing a new song to you, O God. On a harp of 10 strings, I will sing praises to you. Psalm 144, 9. Let them praise his name with the dance. Let them sing praises to him with the timbrel and the harp. Psalm 149, 3. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Psalm 50, verses 150, verses 3 and 4. If you can just imagine this celebration in your heart when you pray to God, just think, and that's why I wanted you guys to get a visual idea. Think of all of these instruments of praise going up to the Lord as we pray in thanks. Just imagine it when you pray. The choirs, the beautiful harmonies, the instruments, the cymbals, the horns, the strings, the timbrels, all playing in concert. That's what giving thanks to the Lord is supposed to be in our hearts. Jesus would be so glad for us to enter into his presence with an attitude of thanks like that. The essence of all true worship is to come into the presence of the Lord and to appear before his face in appreciation and adoration. And it was really almost hard for me to do this without having a study on worship because worship is so integral to giving thanks to the Lord. Listen um, as I read what I think is one of the most beautiful passages on how to pray with thanksgiving, and I think it's a great example for us. It, it, It was written after the ark was brought into the temple that Solomon had built for the Lord. And in Chronicles, uh, Second Chronicles 5, verses 11 through 14. So I want you to just kind of, after describing all of these instruments, just imagine this scene, if you will, as I read it. 
It says, as it came to pass, when the priests came out of the most holy place and the Levites who were the singers, all those of Asaph and Heman and Jejutham, with their sons and their brethren, stood at the east end of the altar, clothed in white linen, having cymbals, stringed instruments, and harps, and with them 120 priests sounding with trumpets. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for he, for his mercy endures forever, that the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud, so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. That's what a beautiful ceremony of thanksgiving did for God. It just brought glory from him to just fill up that temple. It was beautiful. And I just can only imagine how pleased he was with the praise that emanated from his people. I've heard uh, of one church that doesn't allow instruments in their worship service uh, because they say Satan was over the choir in heaven. And that was the reason for his prideful downfall. They clearly have not read these scriptures. Clearly. I also find that some people don't arrive at church until the announcements or right before Xavier's study. Uh, some people, I understand, aren't that crazy about our worship, and some see it as just the preliminary entertainment before the main event. But that is not what it's to be, as you can clearly read here. It is a preparation of the heart, it is a pouring out to God. And bottom line is, ladies, worship ain't about us. It's about God. It's about giving over to him all that he deserves in sacrifice and praise and thanksgiving. Deuteronomy 10.21 says, He is your praise and he is your God who has done for you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. When I read passages like this, it just tells me that I will continue to sing out loud to the Lord off key and otherwise. And give thanks and praise to him for both the miraculous and the mundane things that he does in my life. He is my praise. He is my God. And I will sing praises of thanks to him for the great and awesome things that he has shown me and will show me in due time. With joyful shouts, songs, and instruments of praise, this is how we are to pray with thanksgiving. This is how our hearts are to come before our Lord in thanks. He teaches us in his word the disposition of our hearts in giving thanks and praise. And these are the instructions that we can follow. And finally, we'll look at what the Lord teaches us about when we are to pray with thanksgiving. And I think if any character in the Bible gives us an example of when to pray with thanksgiving, it would be the Apostle Paul. He was devoted constantly to prayer for the churches that he and others helped plant in Asia and Europe and was a fierce prayer warrior for all of them. Paul was especially thankful for the work and effort that these churches were committed to in his absence or in the absence of more mature pastoral leadership. They often struggled in getting their spiritual legs under them, yet he was patient and grateful for their dedication to the Lord and the sincerity of their faith. To the Corinthians, he says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which was given to you by Christ Jesus. 
To the Ephesians, he encouraged them to give thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. To the Philippians, who were very dear to his heart, Paul says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests of you all with joy. And to the church at Colossae, he says, we give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. And then I think sometimes how Timothy must have really been given such encouragement and confidence, knowing that his teacher and mentor was so grateful for him and what he in that he was constantly in his prayers. And Paul says to him in Second Timothy one three, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day. And then he also has prayers of thanks always for the Thessalonians without ceasing always giving thanks to God for them. And I just think what an encouragement Paul's letters must have been to these churches and pastors who received them. These brand new assemblies of believers and newly minted pastors in the gospel of Jesus Christ must have had all kinds of doubts and fears about getting up and running the church and holding on to their faith, oftentimes being persecuted for their beliefs. And here was the spiritual giant, Paul, and he continually brought them before the Lord in prayerful thanks for all that the Lord was doing through them and encouraging them as well to be thankful to the Lord. Giving thanks can be an encouragement to someone if we let them know we always lift them up in our prayers to the Lord. How often do we let others know that we continually and thankfully include them in our prayers? How do you think that would make them feel if we told them? How would you be encouraged if someone told you that they were thanking God for you every time they prayed? And what if you told your husband that or your pastor or your parent or your children? My guess would be that your relationships with them would improve, if not change altogether, because they would be so encouraged and lifted up beyond any casual compliment that we could ever give them. To be thankfully mentioned in the throne room of the Almighty God should send most people over the moon knowing that you are grateful to the Lord for them. Paul's example of when we are to pray with thanksgiving is pretty much every time we pray, following the practices and the traditions of his forefathers. David, for example, was a very gifted psalmist and also knew how to merge both the heavenly and earthly perspectives. In Psalm 71, 6, he said, by you, I have been upheld from birth. You are he who took me out of my mother's womb. My praise shall be continually to you. In Psalm 145, 1, David says that he gives God all the glory and eternal thanks. And he says, I will extol you, O my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Paul had also learned to always give thanks in every circumstance from Jesus. And he exhorted all believers to do the same, teaching thankfulness as a matter of obedience in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. And also as a characteristic of a spirit-filled follower of Jesus Christ in Ephesians 5, verses 18 through 20. But discontent ladies can easily sabotage our constant attitude of gratitude. If we always want just one more thing, we will never be satisfied. And if we're not satisfied, we're not thankful. 
Proverbs 27.20 reminds us that hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. And that just tells me that Satan is more than ready to escort us into hell for the sake of earthly trinkets and possessions that won't do us any good and never satisfy our desire for them. It's so hard to maintain a persistent attitude of thanks when bills need to get paid, kids need to be fed, the car needs repairs, and the roof leaks. As real as that is in our lives, God has so much more for us. Paul wrote that godliness with contentment is great gain as a practical way of living, not as a philosophical uh, uh, tenet. We have the capacity to, in Christ to be satisfied and steadfast in our thanks to God. Paul did feel our pain. In Philippians 4:11 through 13, he says, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Who gives him the strength to be content? Jesus. Ladies, don't give in to the enemy and allow your joy to be stolen and your contentment diminished so that you can't find your song and shout of thanks to the Lord. Make contentment and constant thanks your practice and priority in prayer. And here are just a few ways to live a life of contentment and thanksgiving. First, learn to be content, to be satisfied, and give thanks in all things as a matter of obedience. We just talked about that when we read 1 Thessalonians 5.18 and Ephesians 5.18 through 20. It says, don't let your circumstances dictate your attitude of gratitude. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 through 10, Most gladly I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Pain is no fun, but there is power from on high we can draw on and take pleasure in beyond our situations. Second, rest in God's divine plan for your life. Believe Romans 8.28 and know that all things will work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. We'll get the blessing and he will get the glory if we, if we believe he has a greater good for us than we can see ourselves. We should not be surprised or ungrateful when we experience trials because we know that God sees perfectly the end result. And third, the one thing that always puts our lives in perspective is doing something for others. This mindset is clear in Philippians 2, verses 3 through 4, where Paul wrote, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. These are just a few of the nuggets from Paul's point of view. We have others. The author of Hebrews also reminds us we could not have possibly suffered and sacrificed as much as the Lord Jesus Christ and urges us in constant prayers of thanks. Because Jesus suffered to abolish the law and free us through his perfect sacrifice, he says, therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, Hebrews 13, 15. Jesus died for us. 
And if that's not enough to cause us to have hearts of continuous thanks and praise, I don't know what is. Ladies, there are various ways that we can give thanks, reasons why we should give thanks, and means by which we can give thanks. So when we review praying with thanksgiving, our thanks are always to be directed to the Lord for all that he is and all that he has done for us. The reason why we pray with thanksgiving is because it is the will of God for us, regardless of our circumstances, and because we can be content in the Lord and his ability to see us through. And we can know what to pray for with thanksgiving by meditating on all the things the Lord has done and is doing in our lives, resulting in inner gratitude and outward thanks and praise. And when we are to pray is pretty much all the time we pray. Anytime we pray and all the time. We will be among those creatures in heaven mentioned in Revelation 5.13 who will say for all eternity, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. The ultimate and forever setting for when we pray with thanksgiving. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you once again, Lord, just for your word, Father, and just how it just opens up newness of life uh, for us, Lord, in our prayers, in our attitude, Lord, in our gratefulness, Lord, for what you have done in our lives, Father God. We thank you so much, Lord, for what you have done, what you are doing, Lord, and what we anticipate you to do in our lives. We thank you that you have given us instruments of, of praise and thanks to you, Father God. I pray that we use it, Lord God. I pray that we exercise those instruments, Lord, in a way that gives you glory, Father, that your glory comes down and fills our hearts, Lord, because you love us so. Thank you, Father, for all that you do for us. We can never, ever enumerate all of it, but take this small sacrifice of thanks, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.